0: Hail and well met, Traveler. Welcome to Threat Dice, a podcast about tabletop role-playing games, storytelling, and the vagaries of the dice. I'm your host, Kylan Wiggin. I am one-third of the team at TumbleDye Game, a young company developing a new hybrid storytelling RPG called Trove. We believe in the power of story, and the goal of Trove is to simulate the arc and tension of a three-act story within the framework of a tabletop RPG. You can find out more at www.tumbledie.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at TumbleDye, or Instagram. Today on Thread Dice, we're going to talk about magic. Yep, magic. It's a pervasive theme in fiction, and is perhaps even more so in our tabletop RPGs. What do we love about magic? Not in a historical or cultural sense, that is far too old and complex a topic to cover in a 20-minute podcast. But rather, the origins of magic in tabletop RPGs, the difference between the magic as presented in the oldest D&D rules and the ones we use today, and of course, what to do about it, depending on where you fall on the high to low magic preference scale. This is going to be a bit of a varied discussion. Hopefully I'll be able to get all of this across. There's a lot to think about and talk about when it comes to magic. Not only that, but everyone's going to have their own thoughts. I'm just one guy talking here about my own experiences and my own thoughts on the matter hoping to spark some discussion and thoughts from others as well. And before we get started, I'll say it up front. I prefer magic to be mysterious, arcane, rare, and downright dangerous to anyone who tries to dabble in it. I'm more of a pulp, sword, and sorcery type that way. So, the discussion will naturally tend that way. However, I totally get that there are people who love to throw around teleport and resurrection spells too, so by no means should you feel left out. Let's talk a little history, a little game design, and we'll all come to our own conclusions at the end. How's that sound? Let's reach back into the annals, and talk a little bit about what they call BXD&D. That's the original version of the game, with no bloody A attached to the D&D. It's the original game, published in the late 1970s by TSR. This is where the magic system still used by the wizard class in D&D 5 today originally pioneered. The Vancean magic system, based on the ideas and works of Jack Vance, specifically his Dying Earth books, where spells are memorized, cast, and forgotten. A magic user may only hold so many of these in their head at once, based on the power of their mind, and then has to relearn them every day in order to ready them again. Let's take a look and compare the BX magic user and today's wizard. For reference, I am using a copy of the Rules Cyclopedia published on Drive Through RPG by Wizards of the Coast, and the fifth edition D&D rules provided by D&D Beyond. The original magic user got one d4 hit points per level up until ninth level. Thereafter, they gained one additional hit point per level, leaving them with an absolute maximum of 36 base hit points at 9th level. And if you somehow took them all the way to the maximum level of 36, yes, 36, the magic user would top out at 63 base hit points. Today's wizard gets 1d6 hit points per level, starting with the full 6 at first level. At 20th level, they have a maximum of 120 base hit points. The magic user's spell progression actually hasn't changed that much to today. They gain their first 3rd level spell at character level 5, their first 5th level spell at character level 9, and so on. Something to note, though, is that a 5th edition wizard only needs 48,000 experience points to hit 9th level. A BX magic user needs 300,000. Spell progression also slows down a bit for the BX magic user, The magic user doesn't see his first 9th level spell until 21st level, and 2.1 million experience points. Whereas the wizard gets theirs at 17th level, which is 225,000 experience. Now, there are some differences in how XP is awarded across editions, but there is something about the scale there that seems important. The modern wizard also gets a few more spells to cast. The BX magic user, at 9th level, has 12 spells to cast per day. The wizard gets 14, plus 4 cantrips, some of which scale with level, that they can cast at will. Okay, so this is a nice jaunt down memory lane, but what does it all mean? What I'm trying to get at here is that over the years, magic has become easier to come by. The magic user and the elf are the only classes in BXD&D who can even cast arcane magic. Now, almost every 5th edition class has a magical subtype that can cast spells. The focus of the spells has changed, too. In the older edition, each spell level only had a handful of possible spells to cast, and only a subset of those were directly applicable to killing things. There are two main ways in which magic as part of RPGs has evolved over the years. Firstly, in lowering the cost to entry and making it more widely available. And second, the switch in focus from altering the bounds of reality toward various ways to do damage to creatures on the grid map. Being a magic user in the old days was practically a punishment. You had to roll that 1d4 for your first level hit points. You might end up with 1. In fact, there was a 25% chance of that. You had 1 first level spell to cast per day. No cantrips, no armor, no shields, and by the straight rules, only a dagger with which to defend yourself. Even using a staff as a weapon was an optional rule. This was to offset the fact that on the far end, magic users were breakers of reality itself, by far the most powerful beings in the world. You really had to be either invested in the long game, or inhumanly patient to play a magic user by those rules. Given the way my games usually went, for one or maybe three sessions, and then dissolution of the group, I never would have played one. (laughs) I would have spent the whole time of my gaming life doing absolutely nothing after casting my single spell for the day. In 5th edition, you can start as a fighter, and then get yourself some magic spells at 3rd level by choosing Eldritch Knight, or as a rogue and going Arcane Trickster at 3rd. Even as a wizard these days, at least you've got some cantrips to toss around to feel like you're doing something. The exchange for that, however, is that magic no longer really has a downside. In BX, magic was tough to get started with. You had to bide your time and stay alive in dangerous situations. As fragile as a ceramic vase sitting at the edge of the cliff with bloody spikes at the bottom. You had to rely on your companions to keep you safe, even as you basically did nothing to help them, hopefully at least contributing tactics or something to the adventures. In many modern games, either Dandy itself or the ones immediately surrounding it, magic is just there. Almost everybody's got some. It's actually tougher to convince someone to play a straight fighter now, because they don't get any cool powers. They just hit stuff with their swords. They move up on the grid and roll the d20, hoping to land a good number. Now, for some folks, this approach is just right. They love super high fantasy settings where everyone is slinging spells and advancing from peasant toward godhood in approximately 45 days of adventuring. Go read the 5th edition DM's guide and do the XP calculations. A BX magic user probably never saw those night level spells most of the time, and it took them in game years to accomplish that kind of mastery. When I was young, mostly due to wanting to play a magic user and never feeling like I could because of the very strong headwinds to get started, I fought tooth and nail against the Vancean magic system. I wanted something that would take away those limitations and give me a feeling that seemed less like fire and forget and more like effort. I wanted my magic users to be able to invest themselves in the magic, power it with their own life force if needed in order to eke out that extra bit of strength to save their friends when they had already spent their one spell for the day. I was sort of a dramatic child. When I took up the GM role, I started experimenting with things. The advent of the second edition Supplement Storm gave us things like Player's Option Spells and Magic, a book I still own to this day, that introduced a spell points system, which was moderately interesting. During one game, I threw out the entire D&D magic system, and offered to my players, tell me what you want to accomplish within certain spheres of magic, use this complex point system I've devised, and be creative. That one actually worked out pretty well. I wish I remembered any of the details. I was about 14 when I came up with that idea. Because I spent most of my formative gaming years in low-level play, and behind the GM screen, I pretty much saw nothing but the limitation of the magic classes in action. I never saw them fully become what they were supposed to be, reality-shattering dominators of the multiverse. When I finally started to see what high-level magic looked like, well, that turned me off too, but in an entirely different way. Think about this. In modern D&D, you are intended to go from level 1 to 20 in 45 game adventuring days, give or take. The published adventures will drive you from level 1 to level 20 before you are done. Which means that somewhere towards the end of that module, the wizard can now alter the bounds of reality one time per day, starting at level 17. Now admittedly, the 5th edition wish spell... Wish, being perhaps the epitome of D&D Magic, has 580 words in its description, and a much more limited scope as to what it can accomplish. The BX Wish spell has 970 words of description in the rules cyclopedia. A 5th edition wizard can choose the Wish spell automatically when they hit 17th level, and add it to their spellbook for free. A BX Magic user who wanted it would have had to search high and low for it, hoping to uncover it stored somewhere. It actually says in the rules, Only magic users of 36th level and with an 18 or greater wisdom score may cast the wish spell. Magic, a thing which is by definition intended to be mysterious and wondrous and reality-breaking, has been broken in two ways. It's boxed and reduced to numbers and formulas and specific effects that you can accomplish, because magic is now just another mechanic. It's been standardized, and has lost a lot of the wonder that once drove it. Add that to the fact that it's available so ubiquitously that the wizard can just add it to their spell list when they hit the requisite level, and you end up where I'm at. So conflicted about the idea of magic that it's actually hard to keep everything straight. If magic is just another way to accomplish rules effects, then why use these complicated systems at all? If it's intended to be mysterious and beyond the ken of mere mortals, then why does almost everyone have an option to jump right in and splash around? These are the things with which I have struggled for years, and I'm only now beginning to understand. I think the real problem is that, for me, magic has been broken from the very start. Looking back at these rules from the old days, well, that just isn't much fun for anyone. Magic is codified into specific effects, and the downside is that your character basically does nothing for the entire early part of any campaign, because you've got no hit points, no weapons, and only a handful of spells, the thing that makes you unique at any given time. The traditions that have been preserved into the modern day, coupled with the relentless pursuit of constant fun all the time, which, as we've previously discussed, certainly has its ups and downs, leaves us with magical effects that are watered down, mechanical, and ubiquitous, robbing magic of any uniqueness it once had, and simultaneously preserving and blunting the side effects and downsides that Gygax and co. codified into the rule set. I grew up on D&D. It's forever a part of my life and my history. It has inspired so many wonderful moments of togetherness and triumph and failure. It's brought me new friends, helped me maintain relationships with old ones, and all in all, been an incredible part of my life. And yet, as I consider all of these things, I am slowly realizing that the game I was playing had little to do with those things. Any role-playing game could have done all of that. It was just D&D, because that's what people knew. It's what they were playing. I've been simultaneously enjoying it and struggling against it, because I don't believe in the boundaries set by its original designers, or the current ones. Magic is a particularly tough nut to crack. Having now seriously attempted game design twice in my life, and coming closer to success this time, I've been through the idea of trying to create a magic system for use in a game. We went through an iteration of this process when designing Trove. See, it turns out there's an issue with magic. The issue is that magic is very specific to the setting and type of story you want to tell the black eldritch sorcery from Conan, doesn't fit too well in Middle-Earth. Likewise, D&D magic doesn't fit very well into Middle-Earth. D&D magic is too world-shattering for the blood-and-dirt style of Conan, too. It's a weird thing all its own, and the inevitable bend of D&D magic toward incredibly powerful effects which are obtainable just by sort of being present and killing monsters is a weird thing for storytelling. It creates a very specific kind of setting. If you have D&D wizards, they all eventually approach godhood if they live long enough to do it. We tried to create a universal magic system for Trove, because we knew that we wanted to create a game that could be used to tell stories in a multitude of worlds and settings. We banged our heads against that one for a while, struggling to come up with the most fundamental ideas of what magic could do, so that they could theoretically apply anywhere. But it turns out, that is really hard. We ended up taking a different tack for Trove, but it still left me thinking about it. More than anything else, I think, the way magic is flavored in a tabletop RPG both drives and limits the kinds of stories that can be created there. By being the thing which breaks reality, it ends up being the thing that defines the very reality that it can break. How, when, where, and at what cost. D&D magic has almost no cost, except a slightly slower start. The caster suffers nothing from it, and gains everything. Phenomenal cosmic power, with no itty-bitty living space to offset it. This leads toward a trend of extremely high power, where the only limit is the spells outlined in the rules. And even then, there's usually some added rules about writing your own spells, so what's to stop you from conquering the universe? These are questions that novelists and other storytellers have to ask themselves, too, when they introduce magic into their stories. What are its limits? What are its costs? Why would someone choose the cost in exchange for what they would gain? When is it worth it? It's because magic is so tightly interwoven into the rules of D&D that I find myself frustrated with the latest iteration of the game. If you try to strip magic out of D&D 5e, you've thrown out half your character options and most of your monsters. Even then, the simplest things, like someone wanting to play a minstrel, well, bards get magic spells too, y'all. Can't even have a man with a guitar who doesn't sling magic like he's some kind of half-wizard. There's no cost. There's no downside. So of course everyone has magic. They'd be stupid not to. Now, like I said before I started this whole discussion, my preference for lower magic settings, where wizards are somewhat less likely to break the bounds of reality without breaking themselves, is just that. A preference. There are plenty of people who love the superhero fantasy that D&D offers, and I am very happy for them. I've been discovering that my personal preference is for a different type of story, one where ordinary people stretch beyond their station and accomplish something with what little they have. It's probably why I loved back in the day, when my childhood dungeon master started us at zeroth level. Ordinary farmers and peasants thrown into impossible situations and rising as heroes out of that is much more my speed. In BXD&D, you can probably accomplish that kind of storytelling. No cleric, no magic user, no elf. No magic spells. Just fighter, thief, and maybe dwarf and halfling. Or heck, allow everybody, but cut them off at level 9. Fifth level magics as high as we go. There's actually a cool idea floating around for D&D 3.5 and Pathfinder called Epic 6, where no one advances past 6th level. I've always wanted to try it. But when it comes right down to it, D&D 5e doesn't work for that kind of storytelling. I know this for sure. There's a GM out there, listening, who knows exactly what I'm trying to say here. He's got this enormous world, a grand experiment in Game of Thrones-style gaming. It started off great, and then 5th edition's magic started creeping in, just by virtue of the rules in the handbook. And suddenly, the whole atmosphere of it started to change, as more characters got brought in, and people didn't want to just play Fighter and Rogue and Barbarian. When you decide to play an RPG, you've got to really think about what the magic in the game's rules means for the type of stories you want to tell. If you're all in on magic superheroes, there's a very easy and accessible option out there for you. But if you want something different, even though it might be a harder case to make to the players, it might be worth taking a look around and seeing if you can find a rule set where the magic, specifically, matches the feeling you're looking for. In fantasy, the bounds of the shared reality are determined by how those bounds can be broken. Magic defines the worlds, and the rules define the magic. Don't settle. Find the right one for your game. Thanks so much for joining me today. Before we go, one quick thing. If you're enjoying Threat Dice, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, Podchaser, or tweet us, at TumbleDye. I'll read any reviews into the announcements on the next session. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may the road ever rise to meet you. Threat Dice is a production of TumbleDye Games, LLC. Our intro music is What Lies Beyond, the interludes are Clockwork, and the outro music is Storm, all by Vince Vept. Check out his amazing work at youtube.com vincevept V-I-N-D-S-V-E-P-T Additional music by Andre Sitkov and Andy Ray. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Kylan Wigan. Real magic can never be made by offering someone else's liver. You must tear out your own, and not expect to get it back. You can find Threat Dice on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts